Philippians. We've entitled this study Gospel Impact because the gospel impacts us not only just in salvation and becoming a new creature in Christ, but now as we grow in sanctification and we become more like Jesus in this entire journey, he is trying to make us more and more like Christ. And so this book has been, and if you get remember kind of the heart of the book is found in Philippians 1, for me to live is Christ. And so how do we do that? So when you come to chapter 3, it's quite interesting. You'll notice the first words, finally, my brethren. Now, if you were to pick up a commentary on the book of Philippians and you read chapter 3, the first question that they're going to deal with is what's going on here? Because he says, finally, my brethren. You kind of get the idea that he's going to end, right? And now he doubles the book. You know, is he just kind of like a preacher who, hey, my last point, you know, I'm going to wrap it up and just keeps going? What's going on? The second thing is, is the book of Philippians is this very personal book. It's uh, very intimate. He's just been talking about Timothy, Epaphroditus, this very personal nature. And now, look at the words of verse 2. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. What's going on here? And if we had a couple hours, we could probably debate it back and forth. But uh, since we don't, let me just suggest, I think what's happening here is that Paul, love for these people and understanding how the enemy is trying to attack them, is now helping them try to set up some safeguards here. And so let's read these first nine verses together of, of Philippians chapter 3. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same thing, things again is no trouble for me, and it is a safeguard for you. Beware the dogs, beware the evil workers, beware the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. So if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. So, his point is here, rejoice in the Lord. Now, when we use the word rejoice, and we've talked about this, it's one of those key words, rejoice or joy in the book of Philippians. What we're talking about here is this soul level quality. You know, so it's not just happiness. It's not just about the moment, but it's a soul level peace of joy that even goes to the point, I would add the words contentment, and thanksgiving. 
So it's not based upon the circumstances. It's, it's the peace that is based upon my relationship with Christ. In fact, really, that's the focus here. It's not just rejoice, but it is rejoice in the Lord. See, Paul's focus here is, is that you're rejoicing your joy needs to be anchored in Jesus. That's what this is all about. For me to live is Christ. My life is all about him. And when you and I live that way, our soul is anchored in Jesus, then there is a joy, there is a contentment, there is a thanksgiving that comes kind of regardless of the circumstances. It doesn't ebb and flow with what's going on in my life. And again, this has really been at the heart of this book. You remember Paul, as he writes this book, is in Rome, right? He's under house arrest. He can't go out and preach. He can't travel and take the gospel like, his, like he would want to. So he sits there, as best we understand, probably chained to some, some soldiers. And what does he say? He says in chapter 1, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. So as he's sitting there in prison, here's others out preaching the gospel. Some are doing it with the right motivation, others not. His whole point is, that's okay. God's in control. He knows right where I'm at. He knows these people. He knows their motivation. Whatever is happening, it's falling out for the furtherance of the gospel. And in that, I can rejoice. I can be content. I can give thanksgiving. And then, of course, he's going to go on trial. And he doesn't know for sure. And he talks about that, whether to depart or to remain. He thinks it's probably going to work out okay. But if you remember back just in chapter 2, he says, then, what then? Um, chapter 2. My, my clicker is, no, it's me. I'm, I'm not holding my button long enough. I apologize. I'm too excited. I'll slow it down. He says this in 2.17. He says, but even if I am being poured out as a drink offering, even if this is going to end in death, even if this means it's going to cost me my life, upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I rejoice. I rejoice. Why? Because what he's talking about here is rejoice in the Lord. It's when you and I are anchored in Jesus that for me to live is Christ. Then no matter how the circumstances play out, no matter how we're attacked, no matter how it maybe even we're maligned and criticized, we can still have joy. Why? Because we know that he is in control. Now, the opposite of this, though, is legalism. Legalism. Legalism is this idea that my, my standing, my, my value, my being loved, my being accepted, that, that it's really anchored not in Jesus, but it's anchored in me. My effort, the things I'm doing, you know, I, if I tick all the right boxes, then God loves me. If I jump through the right hoops, then, then I'm accepted. 
if I do the right things, then, then I'll know God's blessing. That's what legalism is. And that's exactly what this church is dealing with. The legalizers of this day, we knew them, the name we called them is Judaizers. So what they were coming and doing is they were basically saying, okay, you know, knowing Christ is fine, but to really be blessed by God, to have right standing, even to the point of being saved, is it wasn't just Jesus, it was Jesus and now keeping the, the Old Testament law. You've got to worship on the Sabbath, not on Sunday. You've got to, you know, as you're a male, you've got to go and be circumcised. Uh, you know, you, your diet, there's certain things you can't eat. We've got to keep the Old Testament law. And in keeping the law is where you find your value. Keeping the law is where you find that God really loves you because you're now ticking all the right boxes that are here. And the sad thing is, is that legalism literally has been around since the beginning of time. I was thinking about that this week of how, um, you know, you go back to even the start of the church in the book of Acts. And by the time you get to Acts 15, you have Paul and Barnabas have been there in the church at Antioch and Gentiles have come to faith in Christ. A couple people show up from Jerusalem and they begin to teach them that no, you can't be saved without being circumcised. Remember that? Legalism. That our standing before God is based upon what we do. And throughout all history, the church, often the church moves from a saved by grace through faith alone to this idea of works. Probably one of the the worst offenders of that has been the Catholic Church, which leans into this, you know, God's grace only kind of gets us back into neutral. But now we've got to work. We've got to keep the edicts of the church. We've got to do good things in order to be saved. It's legalism. Even today, there's a, there's a group out there known as the Hebrew Roots Movement. In fact, we've had some folk actually from our church that have, have, have started diving into that and the idea is is that to be really spiritual to really know and to obey all that God has said you have got to now go back under parts of the law you've got to keep the feasts the festivals you've got to you've got to do all these things now what's interesting we know by you know we're told in James if you transgress one part of the law you've transgressed the whole law right and what's interesting is they don't keep the whole law because they don't do sacrifice but it's the part that, you know, that they want, you know, it's the feast. It's the, it's the dietary laws. It's the, the worshiping on Sabbath. And folks, it's nothing but legalism. That my standing, God's favor upon me, my, my being able to know him is based on my ticking these boxes. And Paul's whole point here is to run. Now here's the problem. The default mode of all of our hearts is into legalism. And you say, why? It happened at the fall. You know, we wanted to be like God, right? We wanted to fix it. We wanted to, to be able to measure up. You know, the old, you know, personal, hey, I, I, I'm, 
I can get this done. And so our hearts run to this idea of I can fix it. If you don't believe me, start talking to people out in the street. Hey, do you have a relationship with God? Oh, yeah. You're going to go to heaven when you die. Well, I think so. Well, why do you think so? Because, then listen, I, I'm a good person. I, I do good things. I, I go to church. I, I do this. I tick this box. I tick that box. I jump through this hoop. I jump through that hoop. Folk, it's just legalism. And it's where our heart runs. And quite honestly, it even runs there for those of us who have been saved by grace, doesn't it? You know, I hope not so for me as much as it did in the young, or my early days. But I can remember, I, I knew I was saved by grace. But man, I start going through a hard time. And, and all of a sudden, I start thinking, well, man, what have I done? Or maybe what haven't I done? Maybe I've not been praying enough. Maybe I've not been reading my Bible enough. Maybe I've not been doing this enough. And all it is, is it's just simply legalism. It's, the, it's that default peace that our heart wants to go to and here's the problem with legalism there is no joy in legalism now there might be that momentary hey look at me you know I, I checked this box that's good and I feel good about myself but before long all of a sudden I'm going to see where I stumble and now I'm going to realize that man I've fallen I, I've messed up what, what is God thinking about this and it brings condemnation and that crushes my spirit or our hearts lifted up in pride, kind of like the Pharisees, right? Remember when Jesus talked about the, the two men who came to pray, the, the tax collector and, and then the Pharisee, and the Pharisee is there, and, you know, saying, I'm thankful that I'm not like that guy, right? That's what a legalistic heart is. And, and a legalistic heart becomes critical, and it becomes condemning because I measure myself. And actually, for me to look good, i got to make you look bad. So in my mind, I become critical and judgmental. Have you ever been around critical and judgmental people? Is there any joy there? No, they're miserable. They're miserable. And what Paul is trying to say here is this. Rejoice in the Lord. Your standing, your calling, your acceptance is all in Jesus. Anchor your soul to him, not in, in what you do, not in the legalism of your day. And, and so his denouncement of them here is severe. I would even use the word brutal. Look at what he says. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. Now, when he uses the term dogs there, it's not, wouldn't be how we would think about it as Americans. The Jews perceived the Gentiles as spiritually being dogs, less than human, in the fact that they had no relationship with God. They, had, they did not have the prophets. They did not have the word of God. That was all to the Jews. In fact, do you remember Jesus even used that, that same picture when he was with, up in the northern regions up in Sidon, and that woman came and wanted her to heal his daughter, her, her daughter, and Jesus said, is it right to take food from the table of the children and give it to the dogs, remember? Was Jesus like being really nasty? No. It was just this picture they had. 
And she even understood and says, ah, but even dogs eat from the crumbs. And he, of course, he healed her daughter. That's how they thought. Do you understand what Paul's saying here? Paul is saying is these, these legalists, these Judaizers who think that they are so close to God, who think that they, they've got it all. They're like the Gentiles. They're like the pagans. They, they don't know God. They have no relationship with him. And then he calls them evil workers. Now, now think about that for a moment. Legalism always goes to my works. It's to what I do. And yet what he's saying is they're evil workers. Remember when Jesus said about the Pharisees that they even tithe the mint and the dill. Right? You don't remember how little dill is? You know, so they got their little herb garden and to make sure that, you know, they're, they're you know, tithing, they count it all out and get their 10%, right? It's all about works. And, but Jesus says it's, it's evil. Why? Because when I do things for the sake of making myself acceptable to God, that in and of itself is taking me away from whom? Jesus. Because instead of turning and trusting in him, I now am trusting in myself. And so the works that I do to try to get myself accepted, whether it's attending church, whether it's doing good things, walking little old ladies across the street, I don't know, whatever it is that I'm doing to get staying before God, if that's my motivation, that's taking me away from depending upon Jesus, it's an evil work. And then he calls them the false circumcision. Now that's the new American standards polite way of saying what Paul was really saying. Circumcision, of course, is the, for a male, it's the cutting off of the foreskin. It was the sign of the Old Testament covenant. And so what they would say is, okay, if you're a male and you've come to faith in Christ or you believe and you want to now really be a part, you really want to be saved, you really want to have standing, you now have to go through this process of, of now being circumcised. And what Paul is literally saying here is they are pagan mutilators. You see... Because if you left the synagogue and you went down to the next temple, what you would find there in the worship of their gods to get favor with their God, you know what they would do is they would cut themselves. They would sometimes tattoo themselves. They would hurt themselves in order to gain favor. And what Paul is saying is these you're just like, you're no difference between you and the pagan mutilator down at that temple. I mean, it's scathing. And then he sets them up and says, okay, you want to you judge righteousness? Let's look at this. Because if anybody's got some confidence to put into this, I do. And, and he breaks it down into two things. The one is kind of what he was born into. It really wasn't him. It was his family heritage. He says this in verse 5. Circumcised on the eighth day. I mean, that's the way it was supposed to happen for, for a Jew. On the eighth day. Of, the, of Israel. See, a lot of these people were proselytes. They came, they were really Gentiles. They converted to Judaism. Paul says, I didn't convert. I was a Jew from day one. So that the law was kept on the eighth day, I was circumcised. And then he says this, 
of the tribe of Benjamin. You say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, you remember when God set up the 12 tribes, he said Judah, the, the scepter is not going to leave from Judah. And yet, when the tribes split up, 10 tribes went with the northern kingdom. There was only one tribe that stayed with Judah. You know who that was? Benjamin. They were honored. They were faithful. Of the tribe of Benjamin, he says a Hebrew of the Hebrews. So the other thing you have to understand, historically, because when the tribes were taken into captivity, they were spread out. They were under Greek influence. And those who didn't live in Israel were often called Hellenistic Jews. They were under the influence of the Greek. And what Paul said, I'm not a Hellenistic Jew. I am a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I was born and raised and lived there. And this is who I am. And then he starts talking about the things now he has done. As to the law of Pharisee. You want to talk about the law? I studied the law. I memorized the law. I had become a ruler as a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to the righteousness which is in the law found blameless. He's not trying to say that he was perfect. But what he was saying is when you get to the jot and tittle of the law, I was blameless. And now look at what he says. He says all of that legalistic stuff. Rubbish, right? Why? Because there's a new covenant in place. Do you remember what Jeremiah says? This is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days. This is the covenant that Jesus established the nights before he goes to the cross. This is the new covenant in my blood, right? What does it say? I will put my law within them and on their heart I will write it. I will be their God. They shall be my people. Do you understand what Paul's saying here? What's the sign of the old covenant? Circumcision. But we're not in the old covenant. We're in the new covenant. So what's the sign of the new covenant? The sign of the new covenant is the Holy Spirit. That's what it means. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their heart. When you and I came to faith in Christ, we had the Holy Spirit now come within us and change us. That's the sign of the new covenant. All of the legalism is worthless. You don't have to go be circumcised. That's why it's just mutilation now. In Ephesians chapter 1, he put it like this. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him, how? With the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given to us as a pledge of our inheritance. Did you notice what he said here? Beware the dogs, beware the evil workers, beware the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God. You understand what Paul's saying here? Paul, Paul is telling us that all of the legalistic stuff, all of that standing, it's just rubbish. It counts for nothing. It's a why? Because Jesus came. Jesus paid it all. And so that's why this whole idea is run from legalism, lean into grace. Rejoice 
in the Lord. Don't rejoice in the law. Don't rejoice in, in your keeping the, the law. Rejoice in the Lord. Because this grace that is going to bring the rejoicing, that soul-altering grace is only found in one place. It's in Jesus Jesus paid it all. Jesus forgave me. Jesus made me a child of God. Jesus made me a part of the beloved. Jesus is the one who has made me a part of the family of God. I am who he says I am. You understand what Paul's saying here? Lean into grace. That grace is not about keeping the law. It's about relationship. Look at what he says, verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, those I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ, more than that, I call, count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of what? Knowing Christ. This is all about relationship. This isn't about earning your standing before God. This isn't about ticking the boxes so that somehow God will love you. This is about knowing his son, relationship, becoming a part of the family. That's what grace does. In fact, he says it again in verse 10, and we'll get into that next week. That I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. Grace is based not on what I do for Jesus, but what Jesus did for me. Isn't that right? Jesus came. Oh, by the way, when did Jesus come? Well, when I was a sinner. When there was nothing lovely about me. And he came and he stood in my place and he died for my sins so that I could be forgiven. He gave me eternal life when I asked him into my life. He's at work. He's made me a child of God. I am chosen. I'm not forsaken. I am who he says that I am. Folk, lean into grace. And in those moments then in your life when things maybe don't go quite like planned, it, it's not a matter of, you know, man, what have I done or not done? It's just understanding that Jesus is in control. And can he teach me through it? Yes. And here's the thing. Are there times when maybe Jesus will come and say, hey, I'd, I'd like to spend more time with you? Yes. But, but it's not a condemnation thing like, oh, you're here because you haven't prayed enough or you haven't read my Bible enough. No. It's just, hey, I love you. I want to spend time with you. That's what grace does. It pulls us to him. The grace that he has. And here's the thing, great thing about grace. When you and I lean into grace and we run and we reject legalism, then that speaks to his love and his care in our life, no matter what life circumstance. So if today's a good day, guess what? I'm loved. If today's a hard day, guess what? I'm loved. If today is a day from Hades <laughs> that I never want to walk through again, guess what? I'm loved. I'm not alone. He's with me. In fact, at the heart of this is why Romans 8 becomes so beautiful. Remember Romans 8, Paul ends it with this. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in what? 
It's in the fact that I pray a lot. It's in the fact that I read the Bible a lot. Because I'm in church a lot. Because it is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul's words here are so powerful. Rejoice in the Lord. That's your source of joy. Run from legalism. Maybe you're here today and you think, man, I, I'm trying to get to God by being good. In fact, that's why I'm even here today. I, I want to know him. and I'm just trying all these things, man. That's not where it's found. It's found in grace. He died for you. If you'll ask him, he'll come in. He'll save you. It's grace. You say, Steve, I don't know what you, you don't know what I've done. And you're right. I don't. He does. He's already died for it. It's okay. Just ask him. And then as a child of God, Lean into his grace. Lean into his grace. 